Hey guys, welcome to our online campus. Whether you're joining us through YouTube or our podcast, we're really glad that you're here today. Let's tune into today's message here at Higher Vision. Enjoy. Well, good morning. We've been in the series called This Is Us, and I want to jump right into it today. We've talked about unity. We've talked about um, things like sexual immorality. We've talked about conflict. There's a TV show out called This Is Us, if you're, this is your first week, and when you watch the program about family, you see yourself, and you kind of subconsciously or consciously go, gosh, this is us. Um, I fight with my, I used to fight with my siblings too, <laughs> And uh, as I've been reading through the book of Corinthians, I began to find myself saying, wow, this is us. And as we went through the list of things that the church in Corinth were struggling with, the culture was struggling with, it was America. It was the American church. And so this week, we're going to wrap this series up, and we're going to talk about something that Paul addressed. And so I want you to um, do something with me. I want you to stand your feet. We're going to read this passage together. But as you're standing, I want to welcome our church family that's joining us, not only in the room today, our campuses, but also our online campus. We have people in Arizona, Kentucky, Kansas, Oregon, all over the the country and around the world. Can you put your hands together and welcome all your church family? Come on, we are glad you are with us today. So I want us to read 1 Corinthians 12, and uh, we're going to start with verse 1. Let's all read it together out loud. Here we go. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Paul says, listen, there's some things, the gifts of the Spirit, and here's the problem. You're, you're not really, you don't really know them. You don't understand them. And when you operate in them, there's, there's been issues and, and problems. And so I want to make sure that you understand the gifts. So I want to say a prayer. And as we pray, will you do something? Not only pray for our service and for an anointing on the message, but I want to pray for all the people that were impacted by this horrible shooting in Pennsylvania. Imagine someone going into a synagogue killing 11 people. Listen, we need God to bring comfort to that community today. We need for God's grace to be upon our our, uh, first responders and officers and those that are there to protect us. So can we pray together right now? God, first of all, we, we lift up what took place in Pennsylvania. Lord, this horrific tragedy, Lord, for these families that lost their friends and their husbands or kids, Lord, I just pray right now that you would bring comfort and peace to each and every one. Lord, I want to pray that you would literally, you'd surround that community with your grace. And I also pray for, Lord, our leaders and the police and the FBI, that you just help them as we face a culture that's getting more and more evil and more and more violent. Lord, we just pray, God, move in our land. Bring revival in our land. And we claim the verse which says, where sin abounds, grace does that much more abound. We pray, let your grace rise. Let your church, Lord, be your hands and feet. Let us see evil decrease and that, Lord, the gates of hell would not prevail against your kingdom. Bless this service. Bless this message. Anoint every word and anoint our hearts to hear it and receive it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. When, when, uh, when my wife's sister started having kids, most of us, and my kids are all grown and uh, but we had one of the family members have some young kids, a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And what's interesting is not long ago, one of those little kids as an infant just walking um, had a moment where everybody freaked out in the house. And here's why, because they grabbed one of those precious collectible items 
that is glass that if it's dropped, it'll shatter. And inside that collectible was a drink, I don't know if it was coffee or whatever, and no one was paying attention. And suddenly now, this little child is walking around, you know, all happy, carrying this drink, and everyone's like, ah, and we're running to grab it because we're afraid that this child's going to drop and it's going to break. The problem was, is the child wasn't old enough to understand the value of what it had. The reason I tell the story is I think what Paul is saying to the church is, you don't realize what you have. You have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you and there's gifts that have been given to you. And so you need to not be uninformed. You need to know about these gifts. You need to know about the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today, which is a little different than what I've been doing over the last several weeks, we're going to end in Corinthians with this topic that literally is three chapters worth. So I'm going to get through three chapters of the Bible in 30 minutes. How many know miracles still happen? It may go a couple minutes longer, but you'll be gracious with your pastor as I'm trying to get through it. So I want to give you the first point today. Hopefully we'll get to a couple other points, but here's point number one, and that is this. God has given you spiritual gifts. God has given you spiritual gifts. If you are a Christian, you have spiritual gifts. You just may not know about them. You may not be operating in them. So let's read what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, now to, what's the next two words? That's everybody. You know what that means in the Greek? Everybody. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Manifestation is the gift. So now to each one, the gift of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit has been given to each one for the common good. There is, there is, uh, for to one, there is given through the Spirit, and then he goes on and begins to list them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and I'm going to talk about the list of the, the gifts of the Spirit, but I want to start by saying you need to understand something, and that is, I'll explain it this way. How many of you have ever gone to the store and you bought something, and when you're done, this happened to me last Christmas, I went to the store, and when I was done you know, getting all the things that I was getting, the, the lady at the counter says, oh, and sir, here is your gift. And I was like, for me? Come on, you know, if you're at one of those moments, like, is it like, is this candid camera? Is it my birthday? I didn't know it was my birthday. For me? And they're like, yes, sir, this gift is for you. And then you learn it. It's this promotion where if you order so much, you get a gift with purchase. Can I tell you, that's kind of like what happens when you get saved, because you get the Holy Spirit and the gift comes with the Holy Spirit. It's a gift with purchase. Jesus Christ paid the price so that you could have literally God dwelling inside of you, you have a gift with purchase. Come on, somebody say amen. How cool is that? So what Paul is teaching us is that you have the gifts. Here's what you need to know, that it's for everyone. So everyone has the gifts. And number two, you can have more than one. Because the Holy Spirit's operating you. We see it in the New Testament church that many times people who were filled with the Spirit would operate in multiple gifts. So it's for everybody. And you can have more than one. How I many know good news? Come on, how many love gifts? How I many like more than one? Right, come on, right here, feeling it. So let's go through the gifts now. If we've been given spiritual gifts, now I'm putting on my teacher hat today, so hang in there with me. We're going to teach through. So here are the gifts that the Bible teaches us we have access to because the Spirit is inside of us. He starts off and he says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom or a word of wisdom. To another, a message or a word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. 
Let me explain these gifts. So I'm going to start with the word of knowledge. These two often work together, word of knowledge and word of wisdom. And what will happen is that uh, basically God has something that's unknown that only he knows, because how many know God knows everything? He knows the past, present, and future. And so something that he knows that's unknown to everyone else, he wants you to know. So it's called the word of knowledge. So he will give you a a piece of information. Oftentimes, for instance, for me, I may be in the middle of a conversation, talking to someone, counseling someone, and suddenly the Holy Spirit gives me this impression where I know something about them. You know, this week you had a big fight. There's been problems in your marriage. I have no way of knowing that, but the Holy Spirit tells it to me. It's called a word of knowledge. We see that with Jesus. If you look in the Bible, remember, there was the woman. She came to the well, and when she got to the well, she had her stuff, and he said, hey, would you like to get a drink? And Because uh, if you take a drink from what I, the water I have, you'll never thirst again. And they had this conversation, and, and he says, why don't you bring your husband? And she goes, I don't have a husband. And then he gets a word of knowledge, and he says, that's true. You don't have a husband. You've actually been married five times, and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. And she's like, whoa, word of knowledge. Something that was unknown that God wanted him to know. Of course, he was God, and that's a whole other conversation. But the point is, we see that through Scripture. And what happens is, is God will give you a piece of information, and he wants you to share that. Why? So that people will stop and take notice and go, whoa, God is here in this moment. God has not forgotten me. God knows who I am. God loves me. And it's a vehicle, it's a bridge for you to minister to them where their faith rises, where their hearts open, where they might even be open to receiving Christ. It's called a word of knowledge. But then also, he says a word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom is basically God giving you a supernatural revelation about the way to deal with something. He gives you wisdom in a certain situation. So, and often they'll work together. So like, I'll be praying for someone or talking to someone and the Lord will show me something. I'll speak that out. And then he'll give me words of wisdom to tell him what to do. You're struggling in your marriage. You had a fight this week. And here's what the Lord's telling me to do. You need to do this. And, and this is something that God, and, and, and it's the wisdom. Sometimes, how I many know we need, we face situations. We just don't know how to deal with it. How I many know sometimes we need God's wisdom? Well, some of you are so smart. You don't even need God's wisdom. It's, it's amazing. Awesome. You have the gift already. Um, I'll give you an example. Is um, Not long ago, we, were, we had just moved into this building, and this space next door came open. And as we began to pray, and our staff and our, our board of directors began to pray, we began to feel like God wanted us to take that space. We had raised money, and our plan was to, to, build, you know, to buy this church. We had a lease to buy, and, um, but we really were growing, and we felt like we need to prepare for more kids, to reach more, because there's more houses coming. We need to plan for the future. So when it came open, we moved on it. And as we began to move on it, we were, I mean, we were getting plans in place. We're getting everything ready. I came to the church to tell you, we're going to get this space. We're going to build out a kid's spot. And so everything's in motion. And as I'm praying one year, as we're leading into the new year and everything's in motion, I feel like the Holy Spirit kind of starts stirring my heart. And, and I come back to the board and I'm like, guys, I don't know why, but I think we're supposed to wait. I think we're supposed to wait. And everyone's like, what do you mean wait? We're paying the mortgage on it. We got to build it out. And I'm like, I, got, I feel like in this situation that we need to wait. And I believe this was a word of wisdom. And so, so they decided to take my, my, my advice and we decided to wait on that building. Well, let me tell you what happened because we waited. Because we waited, later on, we discovered a, kind of a little loophole in our contract. We were able to take the money that we already had and we were able to buy the building we're in because if we had waited five years to buy it, guess what? Instead of paying seven and a half million for it, we probably would be paying 11 or 12 million for it. 
Why? Because there's all kinds of new homes and buildings going on up there. So God allowed us to buy the building we're in. We own it. And since we've owned it now, guess what? We've moved into the space. The church has grown. Then, because we owned it, we are able to get some financing. We're able to raise more money and do this building. We're going to open it in just a few months. God knew what he was doing because he has great wisdom. And so sometimes we need to operate in wisdom, but we need godly wisdom to do it. So it's called the word of wisdom. It's called the word of knowledge. And then he goes on to say this. He said, and to another, he says, the, the gift or to another, faith by the same spirit. Now, what is the gift of faith? Well, the gift of faith is where God releases a supernatural ability to believe for something that is impossible, that most people would not be able to, to believe for. The, the Lord did that in my life. I'll, I'll never forget when when we were um, over in our other building. I kind of tying in the buildings today. I don't know why, but it's a good example. We were in the other building, and um, there was a piece of property that came open in our valley, and we needed to move out of where we were because we'd outgrown it. But there was no place to go, and the only place that was available was a piece of land that another church had bought and was going to develop. And so the, the owners of that land came to us and said, we know you need a bigger space. How about you buy this, this property? So I went to prayer with our team, and as I began to go to prayer with our team, I felt the Holy Spirit say, that's not your place. So I come back to the team. I'm like, guys, I'm going to tell you something. I think we're supposed to pass on this. And everyone, everyone is literally to the T. Everyone's like, but pastor, there's no other place to go. The church is growing. We need to prepare. What if we, you know, we're going to outrun this place where the, when that happens, when you, you know, reach the level where it's 100% full or 90% full, your attendance often goes down. We're losing, we'll lose momentum. Are you sure? And I just, I'm, guys, I'm telling you, God has something bigger and he's something better. So, that, so they, we talked it through and they're like, okay, pastor, we're going to go with what you're feeling. And so we passed on the land. And something inside of me said, God, you are able to do the impossible. When everybody says no, when, when there's not an opportunity, when there's nothing there, God, you can part the Red Sea. God, you can do the miraculous. And so we began praying. Well, guess what? Six months later, God brought us here and showed us this place. And after every other church that had tried to get this place and the city told them no, guess who they said yes to? They said yes to us. Why? Because God had put in my heart in that moment. And as I began to pray with the rest of the team, they began to have this faith. It was a supernatural faith. And God opened the door. They said yes to us. We moved in. God gave us a million and a half dollar miracle from the developer. We now own this place. The church has tripled. We've seen thousands of people get saved. We're opening a facility for kids because sometimes we need faith. Come on, somebody say amen. Now we all have faith. The Bible says everybody's been given a measure of faith. Sometimes God will give you a gift to dare to believe for things others can't believe for. Then he goes on to say, to another, the gift of healing by that one spirit. Now, what is the gift of healing? The gift of healing, first of all, we believe in this church that God can heal. Why? Because the Bible teaches that. And the Bible tells us that we're supposed to pray for one another when we're sick. If you're sick, call for the elders of the church, lay hands on you. For a faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. I mean, there's, there's many examples of people praying for sick people. And here at this church, we could tell you story after story after story of people who have had miraculous healings, right? But the gift of healing is when God kind of touches someone with a special gift to pray for the sick. 
And sometimes it's a prayer. Sometimes it's even wisdom um, along with that prayer. Hey, listen, God wants to heal you of this, but I feel like you're supposed to change this thing in your diet and you're supposed to. And so sometimes God will give someone a gift of healing. An, an example of, uh, of this was Peter. Remember when Peter, as, as he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he operated in, in different things. And he, he moved into a phase where he flowed in a gift of healing kind of on another level than even the other apostles. Because the Bible said that he would literally, and this happened after, remember at the man at the gate, beautiful, who was crippled, and he said, can I have something? And he said, I don't, what, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He rises up and he walks, and then Peter starts walking in this gift of healing to the point where there was a season in one time where people would line sick people along the street, and the Bible says in Acts that when Peter would walk down the street, his shadow would hit them and they would be healed. Sometimes God will touch people with a gift of healing. Maybe when you're out there sitting next to someone in a cubicle and suddenly you feel this stirring, you find out they're not feeling well or a sickness in their family and you're like, man, I need to pray for them. Maybe God wants to put a gift of healing on you in that moment. And what, you know, I saw that there's a man by the name of Dale Gentry who um, years ago, he, was, he flowed prophetically, but he had a gift of healing. And, and I'll never forget, there's this woman, he tells a story and that she'd been to every doctor that she could go to. She'd had pastors and leaders pray for her. But he was flowing in this gift of healing, and they said, would you go pray for her? And he went after being sentenced to death in just a few months. You know what happened? He prayed for her. She went into remission, and she lived many more years and fulfilled what God wanted her to do because in that season, he was moving in a gift of healing. Paul says you need to know these things. You need to understand these things. And then in the next one, the Bible says, to another miraculous powers. Miraculous powers. Sometimes there will be a spirit arise up in you where you can operate in the miraculous. In other words, you go beyond the natural. You do something that's not possible in the natural. God does it, obviously, but he'll use you. And um, we see this in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, right? Whether it was the Red Sea, the, the, the seas parted, or Jesus turned water into wine. I mean, you could go through the list. But I'll give you an example of one that happened with one of our church members. I'll never forget, um, one of our ushers came to me and told me the story a few years ago. He said, Pastor, you know that when you're talking about miracles, God gave me the gift of, of the miraculous not long ago. And I'm like, well, tell me the story. And he said, well, I was driving up to this gas station. And when I pulled in, I saw there was a lady there and her car was locked and she was distraught because she couldn't get in. And she had to go to work. The car was running. Her keys were in the car. And as I pulled up to the gas station, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you're going to unlock her car with your keys. How many know that's crazy? <laughs> so he's like, okay, God, if that's you, I'm going to do it. So he says, I get out of the car. And he says, I said, ma'am, what's going on? She said, my car's locked. I'm going to, if I'm, I think it was something like, if I'm late to work, I might lose my job. I mean, I don't know what to do and I don't have AAA. And he, was, he goes, you know what, ma'am, let me take care of it. And he said, I, I, in faith, he said, it's just a step of faith. And let me just say, when you operate in gifts, you have to operate in faith. God won't force you to do it. You have to choose to do it. You have to step out. And so he said, let me help you out. And so he walks over to his car, takes out the keys of his Honda, and heads to the Chevy. <laughs> and he walks up to the door, and he's like, I don't know about you, but I'd be doing this too. He'd be like, oh, dear Jesus, let this be for me. <laughs> he sticks his key in the car, turns it, the door opens, he opens it up, and the woman gets in and goes on to her job. I'm telling you, we could talk about story after story after story that God will sometimes, what? The gift comes with the purchase. 
The Holy Spirit is there, and it's there so that you can operate, the Bible says, in, for the common good. You can bless the church. You can bless people. You can open their eyes to the need for Christ. God wants to use you to be a blessing. How many know God wants you to be a blessing? But we need to understand the gifts. The next one, and this will take me a few minutes to talk about, and that is, he says, not only the miraculous powers, but to another, prophecy. I want to talk about prophecy for a minute. And I'll be honest with you, growing up, we, sometimes prophecy has gotten a bad name especially in some charismatic circles where, where in, 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 in a few moments, if I have time, I'll explain what Paul says about this. But what is the gift of prophecy? Well, first of all, I want you to know there are two definitions. And one definition we, we usually know, the other we don't. And that is, first of all, what is prophecy? It's what we would call forthtelling. Now, what is forthtelling? Forthtelling is basically when someone, basically prophetically, is proclaiming forth God's message. But oftentimes, it's a message that God's already spoken. Many times, prophets in the Bible, we think they always came and gave a prophetic word that something was going to happen. Many times, all they were doing were, were, were literally forthtelling what God had already said. For instance, they would show up and they would say things like this, like Jeremiah. He would show up and he would say, hey, guys, Israel, you need to know something. God told us that if we turn away from him and worship idols, that he would send us into captivity. And so God is saying we need to turn our heart back to him. That wasn't a new message. It was a message God had already spoken that he was declaring forth. So every week, guess what? You get a prophetic word. What are you talking about? Every time you show up to church and your pastor preaches, you're getting a prophetic word. Because it's a foretelling of what is on the heart of God. I believe that as we've been in this series of Corinthians, it's not just some book in the Bible. It is literally God's word coming to life because it's on the heart of God that he wants to speak forth to you. So every week you get to hear a foretelling or a prophetic word from God. It happens every week. I'm coming like the prophets and I'm declaring what God has spoken. And it's the idea, that the word of prophecy is the idea that what is on the heart of God, he wants to share it with you. So that's the first part. The second part is what we call forthtelling. And forthtelling is when God will tell you of things to come. That's what he did in Israel. He told through the prophets, he said, hey, if you don't honor me and you turn away from me, I'm going to bring judgment and you're going to go into exile. But I won't forget you, and after 70 years, I'll bring you back. And that eventually happened. Now, why did God say it? He told them of what was coming because he wanted to help them so that they could follow in his will and not get off track. Remember, another example of foretelling would be Agabus, the prophet in the New Testament. Remember, he comes and he tells a bunch of the church leaders, he said, God spoke to me and said that there's going to be a famine in Jerusalem. Remember that? And what happens? The church could have said, ah, I don't know what he was talking about. But instead, God gives a prophetic word beforehand to help the church prepare itself. So what did the church do? The church started raising money to help Jerusalem, and there had been no famine. And literally sent offerings to Jerusalem two years before, eventually, guess what happens? Two years later, a famine almost devastates Jerusalem. But guess what? God's already set the table, and they've already got the resources to carry them through the famine because of the gift of prophecy. And see, sometimes God wants to give prophetic words to you to help keep you on track, to prepare you and get you equipped and ready for the things he has for you. 
And so sometimes God will give you something that you're to share with someone else, someone in the body, or sometimes he does it publicly, corporately, because he wants the church to know. He, he did that at the beginning of January through a prophet that came through, Dr. Michael Maiden. He gave some prophetic words over our church, and he gave some prophetic words over me. And guess what? Some of the things that he's saying, we began preparing for because we felt like it was the Lord, and they're coming to pass. I just had it happen to me this morning. It was so awesome. I had a man 14 years ago that pastors a church in Sacramento that I was preaching there. And at the end of the service, he came up to me and he said, I feel like the Lord's given me a word for you. Can I pray for you? And I said, sure. And he prayed over me and here's what he said. He said, Jared, God's gonna send you to the city that you're planting this church and God's gonna open doors for you that other people couldn't get the door open. This building is an example of that. And then he said this, he said, and God is going to send people that are going to help support the vision that God puts in your heart. And he said, in fact, there's going to be some people that come that are of the financial capabilities that are literally come to you and say, pastor, what's going on? What can I write a check for? Can I tell you this year that has already happened? Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, it just so happened that that guy texted me this morning. It's been years. And you know what's so cool? I love how God works. And here's what he wrote. He basically, I'll summarize it, but he said, as I was praying this morning, God put you in my heart, and here's the verses he gave for me, for, for you. He said, the Lord says that delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then the next verse was in Hebrews where he said, and God is faithful to fulfill the promise that he's given to you. And then he went on and shared one more. And the whole idea was, listen, don't get discouraged, because if God said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And here's what he didn't know. Listen. Here's what he didn't know. Yesterday, when I went on my run, I began crying out to God because there's some things that I believe he, he said he's going to do and he hadn't done them. And we've been struggling and trying to move forward in it. And, and, and I, I, even, I even went, God, maybe this wasn't you. And less than 24 hours later, a 14-year-old friend who I haven't talked to forever sends me a message that's on the heart of God that needs to get to his people and says, my promises are true. Don't give up because I'm not a liar. And what I say I can do, I can do. Come on, somebody say amen. God can use you to encourage and bless. He said, you need to know about the gifts. Then he goes on and he speaks some more. He says, also, not only prophecy to another distinguishing of spirits. I'm not going to spend time on this one, but this is not just a discernment. It's kind of the word discernment. But it's not just discerning things. It's, it's discernment on a level where you understand spiritual realm. So remember when Paul was in the city of Philippi and there was a woman that kept showing up at his services and she'd shout out and she would say, hey, you guys need to listen. Woo, good word, because this guy is from God. And on face value, it looked fine, but he began to discern that it was a spirit that was trying to cause distraction in his meeting. And so he called it out and he cast the spirit out. So when it's speaking here, it's, it's this distinguishing of spirits. It's not just general. The Bible talks about that in Proverbs that we should have discernment, general discernment for making decisions. But sometimes God gives us a gift to understand what's happening in the spiritual realm and how to pray and what to take authority over. And then he goes on, and we're going to end with the, this part of it with this. I'm going to try to get this done. So hang in here with me. Go, go back to the last verse, guys. It says, and to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Now notice... It doesn't say speaking in tongues. It says speaking in different kinds of tongues. 
And I want to I share something with you today that a lot of people don't understand, especially that may come from a non-charismatic background, or maybe you've been taught that the gifts aren't for today, and, and, or you just were in a church that, that, because that's where we are right now. We're, we're like the city of Corinth, in, in the church of Corinth, and that is kind of, you either have the people that are like kind of crazy with the gifts and don't understand and are, 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 aren't using order and, and that kind of thing, or you're the, the churches that basically say, um, well, it might be real, but you know, we, we just don't really teach it because we don't understand it. So you kind of got these two extremes. And Paul says this, he says, listen, to another, there's the different kinds of tongues. Now, if you're freaking out because you just heard the word tongues, I'll be honest with you, some people, as soon as you hear that word, you're like, oh, what kind of church am I in? Do they handle snakes? I mean, what do they do here? Can I just take some of the, the weirdness or the spookiness off of the word tongues? Can I tell you what it means? This is what it means. Language. That's what it translates. So basically it says, the gift God gives is to people to speak in different kinds of languages and still another to interpret those languages. So, so let me give real quick, and here's the problem when it comes to spiritual language or tongues, is that we tend to, when we don't understand something, we, 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 we do this concept, it's called reductionism. And we take a topic in the Bible that is very complex, and you have passages, multiple places where the Bible teaches on something, and people, because they don't understand it, they'll squash it all into one, and they'll reduce it and try to come up with one definition or one idea. It's called reductionism. But how many know if the Bible addresses many different forms of it, we need to look at every different form. And so when it comes to spiritual language or tongues, there are three expressions. Now, the one that you're seeing here is called the gift of tongues. And the gift of tongues is basically this. I'll explain it. Someone will feel prompted by God and out loud for everyone in the church to hear. But let me say, what was the church in Corinth? It was the circle of 10 people in a house. So things are a little different in larger settings, and we'll talk about that later. But in a small setting, someone will feel prompted, and here's what they would do. They would pray out loud, and everyone would get quiet, and you would hear them pray in their spiritual language, and you wouldn't know what they're saying because it's an unknown language, an unknown tongue. And then somebody would then feel prompted by God and interpret what they're saying. Now, let me, let me explain. They wouldn't translate, because if you've ever been in a Pentecostal service, you'll know that it doesn't work like word-for-word translation, because I've been in services where someone will like pray in tongues for like 30 seconds, and then the guy has two words from God. And you're like, wait a minute, these don't match. Because it's not a translation, it's an interpretation. In other words, this is what God is saying through this gift. And they'll share it. And here's the reality. Those two together are basically a prophecy. That's all it is. Tongues and interpretation is a prophecy. And some of you say, well, why even have the tongue thing? If, why even have the spiritual language thing if it's just a prophecy anyway? And we'll, we'll address this in a few minutes because Paul basically later on says, for this setting, prophecy is better. Why does he have the tongue thing? Well, it's because of the other two expressions. Here are the other two expressions of tongues or spiritual language. The second one is what we call a missional purpose. So for instance, someone will speak, and it says different kinds of languages. They won't speak in an unknown language. They'll speak in a known language that they don't know, that they haven't been trained in. On the day of Pentecost, right, when the Holy Spirit came, they were missional because they spoke in a language they didn't know how to speak. And because of that, people came, they listened, they gave a message, and 3,000 people got saved. There was a missional purpose 
to what happened. In other words, God used it as a supernatural sign to awaken and open someone's heart in faith to receive either Christ or receive something that God was doing. So that's the other purpose. That's why it says different kinds of tongues. Uh, this happens today. Not often, but it does. I'll give you a personal example. My brother Wayman, five years ago or so, he was in Brazil. And how many know in Brazil they speak Portuguese? I can tell you, I've lived with my brother for years. He does not speak Portuguese. <laughs> Even if he tried, it wouldn't sound like Portuguese. And so what happened? At the end of one of his service, he was preaching through an interpreter. At the end of the service, he, he started praying for people. And as he began to pray, he came to a woman. And as he began to pray for her, instead of praying in English, he just felt prompted to pray in a spiritual language. And so he began to pray in spiritual language. The woman begins to weep. He's like, oh, God must be moving. And then he moves on. He gets home and he gets a message on Facebook. And guess what it says? Pastor Wayman, you don't know this. My name is so-and-so, but I was one of the women you prayed for tonight. And I just want to thank you so much for praying over me in Portuguese tonight. She goes, what you don't know is that I felt like I was called into the mission field, but I began to doubt my calling. And as you laid your hands on me and began praying over me in Portuguese, God began to say through you that he had called me to the mission field, that I didn't need to be afraid, and that his will could be done in my life and that I didn't have to walk in fear. And she says, I'm going right now. I'm signing up for mission school. I'm going on the mission field. You see, there's different kinds of spiritual language. So that's the second expression. That's why it's not just prophecy. Because how many know that that rock your world? Boy, some of you need a lot to rock your world. I... Man, God, we got to work on something. Need something better. And then what's the last expression? The last expression of tongues is the one that most people don't talk about at all, and that is your personal prayer language. You see, we find it all through the New Testament. A lot of people, again, they reduce it and they say it's not for today or, or what will happen. It's, and, and I had someone talk to me about this recently, and this is common. I, I, I get this a lot from people that may have not come from a background where we teach on this more. And that is they'll show up to a service and they'll be worshiping and someone next to them starts praying in tongues or worshiping in tongues. And immediately, because of you know, what we've been taught, our response is, uh-oh, this is one of those churches that's out of order. You say, what do you mean? Well, the Bible says that if there's a tongue, that, it, that there's supposed to be an interpretation. So if someone speaks in tongues, you better interpret it, or this isn't a God. This is out of order. But what they don't realize is that the Bible teaches us, Paul actually spends quite a bit of time in the New Testament telling us that not only should you pray in English, you should, he uses the phrase, pray in the Spirit. And we know when he says pray in the spirit that he's talking about praying in a spiritual language or in tongues because here's what he says in one of the passages. He says, when I pray in the spirit, my mind is unfruitful. In other words, I don't understand what I'm saying. But when I pray in my language, my mind is fruitful and I understand what I'm saying. So when you look at Paul, every time he talks about praying in the spirit, he's talking about praying in tongues. And why would he want us to pray in tongues on a personal level? Here's why. In Corinthians, we read, if you want to go there and look, in Corinthians, here's what it says. It says, he who prays in a tongue strengthens himself. Do you realize that when you pray in your spiritual language, you're, you're basically getting spiritual steroids. God is strengthening you. Jude tells us that we build up our faith praying in the Spirit. The Bible also tells us in Romans that when we pray in the Spirit, 
How many of you have ever prayed and you didn't know what God's will was, so you just said, God, your will be done? But you didn't know what his will was. You know what the Bible says in Romans? That when we pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit prays through us the will of God. So literally, when you're praying in a spiritual language that you don't understand, here's the cool thing. God does. God calls it the tongues of angels in, in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, whether I speak in English or I speak with the tongues of angels. It's, he's talking about spiritual language. That literally, when you pray in the Spirit, you are praying and the Holy Spirit is praying through you the divine, perfect will of God. If you don't know how to pray for your kids, pray in your spiritual language. If you don't know to pray about whether to take the job, pray in your spiritual language. And so the third expression is that there are times that are appropriate. Now, if the person next to you is praying in the spirit so loud that it's disrupting the service, then, and everyone's hearing it, then they need to stop and we need to have someone interpret it. That's what the scripture teaches. But if they're not going up on the mic, what are they doing? They're just in their own personal prayer moment. And they're allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through them. And they're being strengthened and their faith is being built. And so Paul says, listen, you need to understand the things of the Spirit. You need to understand the gifts that have been given you. Because he ends by saying this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says, all these things are the work of the one in the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. He says, so... Follow the way of love. And if you look at chapter 13, chapter 12, he talks about the gifts in the body. Chapter 14, he talks about order and how it should operate in the church. And in the middle, he talks about the, whole, the, the, the power of the spirit, but it needs to be based in love. So in other words, if I'm operating in a gift, if I'm speaking in tongues, but love is not the motivation, then things are out of order. And so then he says, follow the way of love. So he's reminding you, remember, love is the foundation, but eagerly desire. Everybody say desire. desire. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts and try to excel in those things that build up the church. These things build up the church. The word desire there is a Greek word and here's what it means. It means to strive, to be jealous for. It means to set your heart upon. You know what I think of when I think of this word? I think of the Christmas movie with a little boy who wanted a BB gun, a Christmas story. And he wanted his red rider, come on, so bad. That's all he could think about. It's all he could talk about. His mom thought he was going to shoot his eye out. But he would not give up on that desire that he had. And my question is, do you have that kind of passion and desire to operate in the gifts that God has given you? Because here's what a lot of people say. And here's what I get from other pastors. Well, if God wanted me to have it, he'd give it to me. And maybe what Paul is saying is rather than sitting back and going, man, I'd like to, well, if God wants me to do it, he'll, he'll do it. Maybe what he's saying is, you know what? Maybe what you need to do is say, God, I'm going to do whatever I can do. If I got to study up on it, if I got to get someone to pray for me, if I get to get, got to get around people that are operating in it, if I need to take some classes on it, if I need to fast and pray, God, I want a desire. I want that BB gun. God, I want that BB gun. When Christmas comes, I want what you've given me. You don't even know what you have. And I, I want to so bad finish my last point, but we're running out of time. Well, I think I might. <laughs> Is that okay? 
I think I might just do a couple more minutes. How many give me a couple more minutes? All right, two, four, six, eight, ten. We got lots of time. All right. I'm gonna give you the last point. Here's the last point. Last point is this. God has guidelines for spiritual gifts. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, what should we say then, brothers and sisters? When you come together, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, there's a process for this. There needs to be order. What was happening in the church is they were, they were, they were speaking over each other. They were, they, they were doing it for selfish persons so they could look spiritual. And, and so Paul says, listen, we need to get some order here. We need some guidelines. So I'm going to give you real quick the guidelines. Guideline number one, he said, whatever you do, it should be edification. It shouldn't be for yourself. It shouldn't be to beat someone down. Even if it is something that's more corrective, it needs to be done in a way that edifies and builds up, not tears down. How many know that when we discipline our kids, we don't tell them they're stupid and they're dumb and you'll never amount to anything because look at what you did. We help them to edify them to be better next time. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. So the gifts should operate with edification. Secondly, the gifts should operate in order. I grew up in Pentecost and in a lot of Pentecostal circles, things were crazy because there was a lot of people that were newly saved because the gifts were encouraged, and so they were just stepping out there and going for it. How many know that when you get immaturity, and can I stop and say something? Listen, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. So when the Holy Spirit goes through weird people, sometimes He appears weird. And how many know that when, when immaturity comes and there's not order and there's not edification, things are done right, you can go from godly to goofy really quick. You can go from prophetic to pathetic really fast. Come on, I'm going to talk about it. And that's what began to happen in the church. They got weird. And Paul said, listen, you need to not pray over each other. You need to not keep praying in tongues without an interpretation. There needs to be order. The next thing he says quickly is there needs to be a testing or proving. So when you do give a word, especially if that word is meant to be for the body in general, that word needs to be judged. You need, especially if it's the realm of correction or direction. What he's saying is there needs to be accountability. And that was the problem in a lot of charismatic churches when I was growing up, is there's no accountability with the gifts. So people would do whatever they want and, and say, God told me, and then crazy things would happen. Here at this church, if you have a prophetic word, first of all, you need to know we give prophetic words all the time. Every week when I preach and sometimes in the middle of services, we'll stop and say, hey, the Lord's saying and we'll share it. This is what I believe God's put on my heart. But on the other side of it is that if you had a word, how, what would you do with that word? Well, if it's for the body, you believe, you'd bring it to one of our pastors and say, hey, God spoke to me. Here's what I believe he's saying. And then we would judge that and pray over that and say, is this the moment and the time to release that? I'll give you an example. I had someone several years ago come to me. We had one of the men on our board who had cancer. He was in a pretty bad place. And they came to me and in this service, they said, hey, I felt like God just told me that the board member is going to be healed. When they brought it to me, as I as I prayed about it and I thought, I thought it over, I, I felt like that it wasn't, not necessarily from, I wasn't saying that it wasn't from the Lord, but I didn't feel like it was, it was for that service. I didn't feel like I should share it. And so here's what I did. I got up and I said, you know, someone gave me a word and they talked about healing and I kind of shifted the focus of it. And I said, listen, we serve a God that heals and they shared that they believe someone, God wants to heal someone. And I began to move in, in the ministry of healing. We began to pray for people. Good things began to happen. But I never gave the word that the man would be healed. And let me tell you, I'm really glad I didn't because two weeks later, the man died. And I was standing next to his bed with my hand on his arm, 
praying for him to be healed. He was proclaiming healing as the last thing that came out of his mouth. He said, I'm going to be healed. And can I tell you, he was because he's not got cancer now. But it wasn't the healing that we would say is a healing here on earth. Imagine if we had promoted to our church prophetically that God was going to heal that man. Imagine the confusion, the questions that people would have had as new believers in our church, people that have been around. Aren't you thankful that God allows us to judge the word, to test the word, and to bring maturity to it? And then he goes on to say this. He said, self-control. That if you have an unction of the Spirit, it doesn't take over your body. Now, there are times where people will feel such the power of God that they crumble under His presence and fall or, or things like that. But when it comes to a prophetic word, when it comes to a gift, it doesn't take over your body and your tongue and you can't help yourself and you have to speak. Paul literally says that in corporate settings, here's the reality, you need to understand that you have control. Because what was happening is people would be preaching or talking in their, their church service and someone would interrupt them and he talks about this order issue. There was interruption going on and people were speaking out words and, and, and starting to speak in tongues in the middle of the message or, or different things like that while another prophetic word was being spoken. And we already know that's not the way it's supposed to be done because they thought that the spirit took control of them. And Paul addresses this issue of order. He talks about a lot of things. He talks about don't have more than two prophecies or two tongues without an interpretation. And then he even talks about women. And some people use this passage to say women can't talk in the church. It's used with another passage. But the context here was that women were being influenced by false teachers and people of false doctrine. And what was happening is in the small groups, in the church services, while someone was teaching, Women were interrupting the teaching by telling their husbands, hey, that's wrong. His teaching isn't right because so Bob told me that this, and it was causing confusion in the service. And so Paul is addressing the order. He says, you're out of order. You need to talk to your husband about that at home. Don't interrupt the service. So Paul says, listen, it's important. You need to understand that the Holy Spirit's not going to bring confusion, take over. And then he ends with this. Ian's was saying, the other thing you need to know is it's prophecy first. This is what I mentioned earlier, and it's simply this. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, listen, for a public gathering, the best way for God to communicate his heart is not tongues and interpretation, it's prophecy. Now, I, I, I asked myself the question, why did he say that? I think, number one, it doesn't list it here, but I think it's because it's way faster. But number two, he tells us, he says, because if you start speaking in tongues and there's lots of new Christians or new people there that don't know God, unbelievers, they're going to be confused and not understand what's going on. So he said, so prophesy because it'll lay their heart bare. God will speak to them and God can use it. Sometimes the tongues will confuse everyone. So it's better. Now, there, there are times where you can have a tongue and an interpretation together. It becomes a prophecy. But in general, what he's saying, it's much better prophecy in seeker services and services with unbelievers but in services where they're believers tongues and interpretation are an awesome form of god's gift to encourage and edify the church as well the point is is that you got a gift and you don't know what you have 